0: to telling the tale i'm your host mitchell farley wolf and i'm joined as per usual with my co-host dustin jackson hey dustin how's it going
1: hey you know what it's going pretty good here today you know tis the season after all
0: yeah kinda it's uh <laughs> it is july but uh i i gotta tell you we almost didn't record this episode today we would have had you... to wait another week
1: you hear this, everybody? You are getting a gift, and how fitting that you get a gift from us this week.
0: Yeah, so when we were about to record, my little sister came home from the dentist, and they had done some operation, I think, to to fix an infection on a... She had gotten her wisdom teeth pulled previously, and she came home, and we were, like, literally about to sit down and do the episode, and then starts screaming, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts... Uh, Which is a bummer for a lot of reasons, mostly because it hurts, but also because of content. And this is the thing that keeps the lights on in this house, Dustin. So, you know, we (laughs) had to put a kibosh on that. Um, Is that the kibosh? I don't know how to use that word, actually. I shouldn't use words I I don't know.
1: No, I think you used it great. Okay. I'll I'll (laughs) use it again later. (laughs) Awesome. I'm looking forward to it.
0: You know what else I'm looking forward? I'm looking forward to jumping back into the world of
1: Salmon Max. Me too. I have legit been excited for this. I love Salmon Max. Oh, do you? Yeah, like as friends.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, no, I have romantic feelings for Salmon Max. and That's also cool. It, it's allowed. Yeah. It's allowed. Uh, <laughs> in the last few weeks with us doing Texas Hold'em... And Bone, I've realized how good of a fit Telltale is for this specific franchise. More than probably anything else they'll ever do.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I would think even later down the line when they started doing, like, Walking Dead and stuff, I would still associate them most with, like, Sam and Max. Yeah, the thing with
0: Walking Dead is that it was... It was directed by two people at Telltale for the first season who I don't believe directed other things before that and also left after that.
1: Yeah, so... that's right. That kind of explains why uh, the others, not quite as big of hits as that first season. But don't worry, everyone. We'll get to it sooner or later.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say, don't worry, we won't do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't worry, we won't quit before the show's over, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> I was going to say, like, hopefully we won't, but I don't want to make any promises. Who knows? Yeah, I
1: can't make any guarantees, but hopefully we won't peace out before the last episode and have to be replaced.
0: Yeah, I believe this is our 10th episode.
1: Our 10th anniversary.
0: Yeah, so we're now one fourteenth of the way there. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't that feel like nothing? Doesn't that feel like we haven't accomplished anything so far?
1: That's like the absolute smallest chunk you could possibly do. It don't (laughs) get much smaller than that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, So, we're talking about Ice Station Santa. This is the first episode of the second season of Sam and Max. The second season of Sam and Max was originally called Season 2, but has since been renamed... Sam and Max Beyond Time and Space. That said, the version I played, still in-game, called itself Sam and Max Season 2. So,
1: Interest, did you play it on Steam? Or no. did you just download it? You down- Did you download them from the Telltale website?
0: So I had... This is another one where, uh, just logging into my old, uh, founded in 2008 Telltale account, I was just able to find the... F- um a version of Salmon Max season two that I had previously bought.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. It, That's like I, finding uh,
1: an old preserved dinosaur fossil.
0: It's the same thing I did for Telltale Texas Hold'em. I just had it.
1: <laughs> it just worked out.
0: It just worked out. Um there are a lot of reasons I think that I would have in in if if not doing this podcast, I would have been very fine and preferred waiting until Skunk Ape makes their remaster. Right. But I thought that a lot of the oldness I felt playing the uh, playing the bone games especially just wasn't there for this game. I didn't yeah. feel, it, it felt like um, in, in another, not console generation, because it's still the same hardware and everything, uh, but it, it felt like a, a move up in terms of fidelity and what the game's able to do.
1: Right, by this point, you know, they had a whole season of Sam and Max under their belts as well as those bone games. So, uh, you can really tell they're kind of figuring they've they've kind of got it figured out. They're uh you know, I don't I don't want to say they just nail it perfectly at this point, but uh you know, they're experienced. I'm
0: glad that you brought up the fact that they have a season of Sam and Max under their belt because um I looked up to see how long it was between seasons one and two? Seven months. Mm-hmm.
1: That's not too long. You would expect maybe like a year, maybe a little over a year before the next one. But no, seven months is a very small time frame.
0: Yeah, betr- uh, between Bright Side of the Moon and this game, they it was April of 20, uh, 2007 and November 8th, 2007 when this one came out. So really just... That's crazy. It's not, this, it doesn't even really feel like a season two. It just feels like seasons one and two are one thing that had a hiatus in the middle.
1: Yeah, it it kind of feels like season 1A, there was such a small gap between, the fact that they're the same year makes it feel even smaller. Like, I feel, I feel like if it were seven months, but like season one ended at like the tail end of 2017, and then like season two started early 2018, it would still feel like a bigger gap. But no, you can just say they both came out in 2007. Well,
0: to put into context the seven-month period, that's the same amount of time between the two Bone episodes.
1: Oh, that's that's very interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't really know if I feel like that makes that too long or like, I don't know, whatever. But it does, it does feel like, They really could have, they could have waited a couple more months on this if they wanted to.
1: Well, (laughs) I feel like they probably couldn't have given the subject matter of this episode.
0: Well, I bet they could have waited at least one more month because it did come out in November.
1: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Uh,
0: But as you're alluding to, it is a Christmas episode. How do you feel about Christmas things?
1: I love it. I love Christmas specials. Uh, Sam and Max did a Christmas special on the TV show as well. So this is technically the second Sam and Max Christmas special.
0: I... My actual relationship with Christmas is that I think it's fun. And I'll... You know, I I do it for for family mostly. But um, for the holidays, I don't get so jized up about it anymore in my adult life. That said... Holiday fiction, holiday specials, anything you want to do with Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. Yeah, I'm in. I'm way in.
1: Yeah, but I th- i think it's because it feels, it feels so much more special, like a bigger deal when fictional things do it. You're like, oh, it's the Christmas special? Oh, I'm not going to want to miss this one. They're going to go all out with the Christmas theming. I mean, we can't save Santa Claus IRL. That's not something we can do. So Christmas, it's fun and fine and cool. But like you're not going to get a Yuletide Christmas adventure.
0: Yeah, there's... um, There's something to fiction like Sherlock Holmes or Batman where you can just do an archetype. Like, the character doesn't necessarily have a backstory anymore because you can do a traditional backstory like Sherlock Holmes growing up in... um, like. 1800s london and then do the whole very traditional thing or you can do modern day sherlock holmes you can do elementary you can do the robert downey jr whatever that was you can do a comedy version and that's still all we've grown to accept those all as valid takes on sherlock holmes uh same thing with batman and same thing with santa claus and i really like Just comparing and contrasting different takes on the story of Santa Claus, different um, Santa Claus mythologies presented in movies. Because it seems to be something that directors and writers for movies and games have a special ability to to make their own with Santa Claus. Because everyone knows it, so a lot of the, the legwork is already done. But if you want to change any part of it, you're totally allowed to. And I, I think that's cool. And That's um, true. Yeah, I'm glad can, to see get, Santa in this for that reason.
1: Yeah, you can get real creative with it. It's it's kind of, uh, y- you know, I feel like a lot of things do kind of go down the easy traditional route with Santa Claus. You know, it's the fat guy with the presents, the ho-ho-ho, but you can branch out and do interesting stuff. Like this version of Santa, this isn't just your typical santa in this episode this is i mean he he he's along those lines but it's still like he's really short uh he's angry he's he's just this angry man yeah (laughs) and and i like that i like that you can just have this isn't just santa claus this is the the santa claus of sam and max
0: right this is a very specific santa claus Um, Their world does have a Santa Claus on the North Pole with elves, um, and he does deliver toys. He does a lot of the exact same things that every Santa Claus does, but he has a very particular personality. Um, Speaking of the writers and directors, let's talk about those because we usually do. Um, (laughs) I looked through all of season two ahead of time. Mm. The writers and designers don't change episode per episode.
1: So, in instead of like the first season, it's just the same people for every episode this time.
0: Yeah, I think the first episode of the first season, it was just Brendan Q. Ferguson and Dave Grossman, who seem to be this power team within Telltale, especially at this mm-hmm. time. Um, but this season, the season is credited to. They they have this under the the category of writers designers in the credits and I wonder if there's more particulars I can find out that aren't just listed in the credits but it's Brendan Q Ferguson Dave Grossman Heather Logus Chuck Jordan Ian Dallas Jeff Lester and then also they've they've uh, given a writer designer credit to Steve Purcell
1: who may or may not
0: actually be involved.
1: Yeah, it, it's possible they put him under design, as in like he has he's created and designed this world and these main characters.
0: Right. Um, additionally, though, Dave Grossman specifically gets the title design director at least on this episode. Hmm. Now I didn't check to see if that stays the same episode to episode, so he may just be the design director of the entire season. But at least on this episode, he's the, he's the one most in charge.
1: Yeah, I, I'm guessing, uh, yeah, I would assume because that's a lot more writers than in the first season. So I wonder if, uh, he was kind of like the head of things, but then everyone was still free to throw out, uh, you know, their own jokes or puzzle ideas and stuff.
0: Right, right. Um, so the episode itself think back to about a month ago when we covered bright side of the moon what do you think of this episode compared to the later half of season
1: 1 oh, compared to the later half of season 1 that's tough because it kind of felt like things were really ramping up in that second half of uh season 1 while this is you know just starting things out personally, I would say this is one of the more iconic episodes throughout the Salmon max series, but I think that's also partially because this was the episode that they really uh i don't remember if they gave this one out for free or not but I specifically remember um on the d v d for the salmon max uh t v series this was the episode that had a demo you could you could put in one of the discs of the of the 7 max dvd set and it would give you a demo of this episode wait so the dvd
0: of... of the cartoon had a demo of this episode yeah when did it come out
1: <laughs> like 2007 2008 maybe um wild yeah i i think it was just a thing like uh you put the disc in your uh cd uh drive and then, I guess, go into the folder and it would have, like, an installable demo file or something. I don't know. I never tried it. But um, it's cool that you could just get that from getting the DVD. So this kind of felt like... Um, I don't know if it was just because it was the only episode of season two out. I would need to look into it more. But it kind of feels like this season's Abe Lincoln Must Die. The episode that uh, okay they use is kind of a sampler But again, I don't know if it's because specifically because they thought this was their best one or if it was just because it was the only one they had done at the time. (laughs) I think it might also be because
0: season one has a lot of episodes that um, there are through lines between them, of course, and they do, of course, culminate in the finale. So the finale needs to be last and, and most of the other things mostly need to be in order, but you can play season one out of order and it's fine um Mm. season two we haven't talked about anything later in season two yet so (laughs) i guess we can't allude to this but we can say that it's a lot more serial it's a lot more um i don't think you can play this one out of order as much
1: right agreed um and you know this was a long-winded way of me for me to say uh i liked this episode a lot i thought this episode was very funny uh we were talking. Earlier in the show, I thought this one had a lot of very good lines to the point where I was like, oh man, I think this might be too much. <laughs>
0: um, I also really liked this episode. I asked you if it comp- how it compared to the later half of season one, because I think this is very much a descendant of the later half of season one in terms of yeah. how it's formatted, its design ideology, all of that stuff, um, because... We we talked during our season one coverage about how they seemed to be f- like going from format to format, looking for something that really stuck. And they found it with episode four, which was a very adventure heavy go to a place. It doesn't really feel like you're a freelance police solving a case anymore, which I think w- was what they thought it would be because that's what right. episodes 1, 2 and 3 are all about. They're all about solving a case. Um you technically still have that excuse <laughs> as to what you're doing. You're you're still solving a case technically, but um it feels so much more of just you're put in this weird environment. It's a whole new environment. It's a whole new scenario. Um there's a really weird bad guy in like every episode. <laughs> Uh, this one included. So if I were to compare this episode to any one other episode, I would probably say that it feels a lot like, I guess, Reality 2.0. I think there's some Reality 2.0 vibes in here. Um,
1: Interesting.
0: Other than the gameplay mechanic of Reality 2.0, transitioning between the two worlds, there's nothing like that in here. But there is, there's just a couple things that make me feel like they've taken the idea of going to this foreign place, um, being pitted against this almost demonic-like presence. In reality, 2.0 was the internet. And um, that's actually the episode where the character that we will see in this episode, the shambling corporate presence, debuted.
1: It, it was like a, a switch was flicked in my head right as soon as I made that realization. I was like, whoa, wait a minute.
0: Yeah, I don't think I realized that at the time when I first played this episode. I think that was a new realization circa 2021.
1: Yeah, same. Just now is the first time I was like, that's like the thing from the other one.
0: Yeah, I wonder if Telltale would be disappointed to find out that we didn't even get it the first time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're like, well, you don't know, worry, shambling Tuck corporate presence, like in the the tax <laughs> adventure. <laughs> now I get it. I I think as long as we get it now, how mad can they be?
0: True, 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 true.
1: What one thing I had in my notes specifically was this episode feels more like you are playing through a story. You're watching a story play out more than even season one did. It it didn't necessarily feel like um a collection of puzzles that have a story to go along with it it kind of felt like this episode in particular this it felt more like the story was the main presence just because like you have the part where you have to get the uh the four horsemen of the apocalypse and then you go into the part where you have to help the spirits uh I don't know to me it just felt like the story elements were a lot stronger obviously not to say the story elements were not strong in the other episodes but Just something about this episode in particular made me feel like the story is the big thing here. The puzzles are what drive the story rather than um, the game being more about the puzzles.
0: I totally agree. And I think something to keep in mind when we play through these, well, every game that Telltale makes is that they were a company founded to make one genre of game that wasn't being made by very many people anymore when they started out. Their express purpose was to make these point and click adventures, and they became a company over time that never made them again, <laughs> uh, <laughs> deciding to only focus on the extremely narrative bend uh, to some of their some of their games. So,
1: yeah, even um, part-
0: even just in a small way, going from season one to season two of Sam and Max, which are really two halves of one larger game if you want to think about it that way two arcs of one game maybe we're already seeing a transition to more story-based things
1: yeah it it's it's kind of this weird thing i can't even quite put into words exactly how it works but that's just how it came off to me was it it felt more like we are progressing a story rather than a story being an excuse for the gameplay
0: yeah yeah definitely um speaking of the story do you want to start talking about
1: it i'd love to start talking about it
0: give it a shot
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh boy i'm on the spot now uh so our story begins i don't know what to tell you (laughs) you're right i walked right into that one uh so our story begins with sam and max in their office when uh, they notice that their goldfish, Mr. Spatula, has an evil aura to him, he's very evil esque. Um, but that doesn't last that long because he gets blasted by one of Max's Maimtron Nine Thousands just outside the window. Um, what's interesting about this is that this doesn't necessarily tie into the episode at all.
0: No, but not it at
1: all. does. But it does kind of act as a tutorial i guess since you know it's technically the start of the new season um so it's just a small little puzzle telling you oh uh here's how you'll figure out puzzles so um you go down you talk to the maimtron 9000 uh you have to make him think about uh correct me if i'm wrong because i did this part last night and i was very tired uh, you need to make them think about like uh, free will and choice, right? You you get them stuck and in some sort of logic loop.
0: So it, it's actually not that because oh, if you you you'd think that it, that's sort of the trope of a robot having its head explode because it has to think of a question that doesn't have a strict answer like that. But mm-hmm. it seems like 9000 Nine Thousands got free will totally figured out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sam goes. Do you believe in free will? And main problem goes, "No,, no not really. Just, <laughs> I think we all just do what we're programmed to do. <laughs> and it seems, it seems to check out. It seems legit. But if Sam says some bullshit, it's always from a song, his questions are always from songs. He says something like, um, "Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near?" And then main goes, "Do they?" That's in- I haven't considered a being that could only exist. Due to the proximity of another target. I have to think about that.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah you, yeah, you get him thinking about something. And then you go back up into your office and just reach through and you pull out the, uh, the wind-up part from his back so he shuts down. Not really, like, a a hard puzzle at all. I guess it is just to kind of ease you into it a little. Because it's very easy. Um,
0: Yeah, I would say the you... Mametron having destroyed Sam and Max's entire city block is the B story of this episode.
1: And even then it's not like a huge B story, but it does give an excuse as to why, uh, Sybil's office is not so much, uh, able to be used. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You have, uh, you have people at the new diner that's opened up and we'll talk about that. Um, but like Sybil is in there. And you ask her, like, hey, how are you doing? She's like, yeah, fine. <laughs> <I> can't complain. <laughs> she she well, can. She should.
1: Yeah, so I think this all happened while she's in the diner. She has no idea that her office has been relocated by a robot.
0: True. Um, I'm, I'm glad that the Maimtron 9000 was nice enough to maintain all of the important buildings. And <laughs> get rid of all of the non-important buildings.
1: Yeah, take that, Sybil.
0: Yeah. Well, no, Sybil's <laughs> building is there. It's just, it's moved. Um, That's there's true. There's other buildings I'd... that are just completely gone.
1: That's true. I I forgot. I don't think, it's been so long since I have played season two that I don't remember if you actually ever go in Sybil's office.
0: Um. Well, you don't in this episode, at least.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Sybil Office Watch 2021. We'll all find out together with our audience.
0: I think that's that's actually a, an interesting point because if that happened in season one, I would have imagined like, oh, they didn't make that area yet. But we know they have a whole season uh, Sybil's office area that if they want to reuse, they can. And that comes up with the characters a lot in this episode because over the course of this episode, we see all the soda poppers. We see Santa Claus. We see uh, new elf characters. We see a demon. We see Sybil. We see Abraham Lincoln's head. We see a new um, custodian of the diner named Stinky. And we see Bosco. <laughs> That's a huge cast of characters. Oh, of course, Sam and Max as well. And Jimmy Two-Teeth. And the elves. Y- yeah, I said Jimmy's elves, family. Dustin.
1: Jimmy's family? Oh, yeah, you already said elves. I meant the other elves.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was talking <laughs> about one elf. And then you got the other one. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I
1: got Don't worry, I got you
0: uh and then the maimtron 9000 that's a lot of characters that's that's quite a few characters and i think they get away with doing that because the all of those characters except the elves and the other elves <laughs> uh <laughs> santa claus and the demon are reused right so, uh so they can just they can just do that they don't need to go through the trouble of creating more characters and, and i that's think great. i
1: think some I think something about uh, the way this game was originally released in the episodic format. I think that it works even better that way. Because, like, it'd be one thing if you went to a stage and just all the same characters were in every level. Yeah. One right after another. Like, you and I uh, have both played the video game Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. True. And that's that's just exactly what that is. That's one of the things I dislike about that game. Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, I guess that is true um <laughs> yeah
1: it's just every stage it's just the same cast every time but in this game since it's episodic i feel like that's not necessarily a factor because like you know it'll be a month before you see bosco sybil and the soda poppers again you'll be like oh hey there's bosco and sybil i'm happy to see them again so um yeah, it it kind of works out better that they can uh, reuse assets in this way.
0: Right. I I totally agree. Um, So once you stop the Maintron 9000, you look at its foot and it says from Santa Claus, um, <laughs> which is how you know it's from Santa Claus. And uh, then you got to go to the North Pole to to figure out what gives. Why is Santa Claus is being so mean?
1: Yeah, Sam and Max can just drive to the North Pole.
0: Their DeSoto is putting in some work recently. They drove to the moon.
1: Yeah, that's true. They could just drive to the moon. They can drive to the North Pole. This is a very good car. This moon seems
0: a... harder than North Pole to me. So <laughs> That's <yeah>. true. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so once you get there, you'll see the soda poppers waiting outside. And I love the reaction that Sam and Max have to them because they're like, oh, these fucking guys, <laughs> they're here again.
1: <laughs> Didn't we just see these guys? These guys are we We weren't even that happy to see him the first time <laughs> these guys are the worst <laughs> um,
0: they they said that they were mad at Santa for something or other as well, but they didn't want to go inside because they heard gunshots inside uh so of course, <laughs> Sam and Max go right inside
1: <laughs>
0: and uh and Santa's just sticking his hand out the door with the gun just trying to shoot blindly just, just
1: just firing wildly into the crowd of elves uh
0: yeah uh what what do you think of this section what do you think of the reveal of what it what the north pole actually looks like
1: i mean they don't get too crazy with how it looks but they don't. Uh one thing i will say i love the music for santa's workshop it's one of my favorite tracks in all of sam and max
0: I yeah I was I have a note here that says uh the music feels like a step up already. Uh just going mm-hmm. to the North Pole that's got its own that one's more atmospheric but it's still great. And then inside the workshop is just um uh it's an Emerson Johnson classic already.
1: Yeah, I mean I would I would really need to like listen to more music with the specific purpose of figuring out my favorites uh but I think that would definitely be one of them.
0: Uh, So there's there's a, a thing you got to do to get in Santa's office, because uh, if you just try to walk in, he'll try to shoot you. So don't do that.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> it involves a whole puzzle with elf tears. uh, That is great. <laughs> um, you have to make an elf cry. And <laughs> the way you do it is just by convincing him that he doesn't exist.
1: I love that. I I love that you just convince this elf that he is a not thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, first you try to say Santa Claus doesn't exist. And then he's like, yeah, but he's just over there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and... I, I like how I like how that he can say that for Santa, but he can't use that defense against himself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they say Santa Claus doesn't exist, and then he'd be. Uh, he says, but if Santa Claus doesn't exist, that means elves can't exist either. And then Sam says, "That's what makes this so difficult." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at that point, the elf is fully convinced that both the concept of elves and himself don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you try to make it up in the end, saying, "Uh, no, 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 we just lied. You do exist." And the elf says nice try but i don't believe in you guys either uh that's that's (laughs) lasting damage that's a real that's a real thing sam and max just did to that elf
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i mean to be fair i think it's on the elf himself for falling for it
0: that's true um (laughs) in in santa's office You can climb in through the chimney via a bunch of puzzle stuff. And as long as you don't go close enough to him, he won't notice you're there. You can find instructions on performing an exorcism. You need the four horsemen of the apocalypse action figures. (laughs) Uh, You need to set them around a magnetic pole. You happen to be close to the North Pole. And you need to play a song called the Friendly Demon Song, which Santa has on vinyl in his collection which is great. I like that Santa has a vinyl collection.
1: Yeah, um you you remember how uh Telltale used to do the uh case files for uh seasons 1 and 2? Yeah. So the case file for season 2, I I missed out on the one for 1, but I I have the case file for season 2 and it comes with a a miniature CD of the Friendly Demon song.
0: That's great. Yeah, I I yeah. think I Might still have that CD. Uh, I I do have the Season 2 case file somewhere around here. I bet it's in a box, though. I bet it's in a a (laughs) taped-up storage box that I can't access.
1: Just like Sam and Max's real case files.
0: Yeah, yeah. They they don't want to access those at all. (laughs) Um, So... Now you're on the hunt, and it, it's only at this point where you're allowed to go back to the street. Because I tried going back to the street earlier, before I got the exorcism instructions, and I was not allowed to go back. Wow. They wanted I, I never to solve all of that North Pole stuff before you went back to the straight and narrow.
1: Interesting. Is that the first time they've really done that? Because I think even in uh, the seasons where uh, you don't start on the street... Uh you can still go back there. You can still choose to go back there. I don't remember if uh you're just locked out of it for a while.
0: Yeah, I don't recall. I don't I don't recall if that's ever happened in season 1. If it did, I didn't notice.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. They hit it very well.
0: Yeah, I I would I I would argue that they didn't have to do
1: that. Yeah, I agree. But uh I don't I don't think it necessarily hurts the episode but it is an interesting choice. Oh, you know
0: what? Here here's what? a here's a guess as to what happened. It might have been that the versions of Stinky's Diner and Bosco's place still the the, the earliest you can see them in the episode they already have a horseman doll like to oh. to find there. So maybe so, you need to do the exorcism stuff to even know what those are.
1: That's true. You know that makes sense.
0: Yeah that that would uh that that would explain a lot.
1: Mystery solved. Good job, everyone.
0: So let's talk about Bosco and what he's up to.
1: Good old Bosco.
0: Well, kind of. Uh, I. <laughs> We've known Bosco up to this point to be a very disguisey gentleman, a very paranoid guy, but he would change up his store and try to sell you something every episode, and every episode he'd have a new theme to his disguise, it was always fun. This feels like a stark contrast because he is not playing games anymore. He's not in a disguise, <laughs> he's just hanging out at his store, which is not a store anymore, he's converted it entirely to a like a fallout shelter. And um uh, he, he, he he's just way past due on his whole paranoia thing. It took over his entire <laughs> mind.
1: Yeah. I mean he says he's he specifically says I have like a hundred trillion dollars. I don't need to sell anything anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> That's that's true. We've given him more money than exists in other places combined. Like, all other places combined in the world has less money than Bosco. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I feel like he could have stopped being a store after, like, the first episode.
0: Yeah, and he's worried about the Illuminati. He could buy the Illuminati. He, like, he if, who <laughs> would be part of it if not the richest person in the world?
1: Yeah, he basically is the most powerful person in the country now.
0: Yeah. Um...
1: And look how he uses it.
0: <laughs> just just wastefully. Just <laughs> entirely wastefully. <laughs> um, so he has a horseman doll in the mail. Who knows how he got that. Um, yeah, he, he thinks it's it.
1: a bomb from his mom.
0: Yeah, and you can send him a stopwatch from the North Pole from Santa. And that'll tick, and he'll hear the ticking and think, oh, well, that's definitely a bomb. So then the other present must be fine. So he opens that, and it's the um, horseman, and you can just take it. So that's how you get one of the horsemen. Um, I have no idea how these horsemen end up in the world.
1: Me neither. Maybe, uh, Maybe it's the same reason Mr. Spatula turned evil. Just some force put them out in the world.
0: Yeah, I I could see that. Uh, One of them, so Stinky has another. Stinky is the diner that we've seen. We've seen Stinky's diner in the background the whole season one, but we haven't been able to enter it. Now we can enter it.
1: I like that. I like that it adds a brand new location in your regular places you can stop in every episode.
0: Yeah, Stinky joins the, the lineup of Bosco and Sybil in term and Jimmy Two Teeth, in terms of uh, straight and narrow regulars. So yeah, uh,
1: she's not. She's not nice. She's not a good person. She's mean.
0: Yeah, she <laughs> she's she's kind of the worst. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so they, they draw flies circling around her to um, make it seem like she smells very very bad. <laughs> sort of going with the theme of the restaurant being called stinkies. but um i've talked to you about this with other fictional characters before i think without the flies without the name i would know she smells bad
1: <laughs> she just looks like someone who smells bad she looks
0: like someone who smells bad to me do you remember the other person i talked to you about this with
1: Oh, I don't remind me. Who was it?
0: It was Palatina from uh, Kid Icarus in right. Smash Bros. <laughs> I think she's. I don't know. That. I don't know
1: if I. I don't know if I agree with you on that one, but I do agree with you on Stinky. But I think part of it, even if it's not just her, I think the overall vibe of the restaurant—they really sell it as like this. I don't want to say like cheap and run down, but kind of. You can. Yeah. it really feels like one of those restaurants that's maybe not. Taken the best care of.
0: Yeah, it's like a Denny's, but it's not the Denny's brand. So it's like a a more rundown, less moneyed. It's less moneyed Denny's. Uh, Yeah,
1: it's it's Denny's if it were a personal restaurant, not a chain. So they have even less money to do like refurbishments and uh, keep it clean and tidy.
0: Yeah, it gives me a lot of vibes straight out of Hit the Road.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, that... Never occurred to me, but I totally get it now.
0: I think the first season of Salmon Max, um, I like it a lot. I like the vibe that Telltale chose because it's it's probably my favorite vibe that Salmon Max has ever had, being a pastiche of film noir. But something else that's always been very prevalent in all of the other adaptations of Salmon Max is a like Americana tourist trap trash. (laughs) <laughs> and that didn't really appear in Salmon Max Season 1. And now we're getting a little bit of it coming back with Stinky's Diner. So I like yeah, that. a little liked, bit goes a long that. way. Um, also in Stinky's Diner are Sybil and the head of the statue of Amer- of Abraham Lincoln.
1: Yes, yes. I yes. almost said they, American Lincoln. They've been hitting Lincoln. it off. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're just having a date. Um, They're not having the best time, but that's due to external factors to their date. Otherwise, it seems like their relationship's going pretty well.
1: Yeah, it's stinky. Stinky is the problem here.
0: Right. Uh, also at the bar, or or at his own table, is the bug.
1: They get a lot of mileage out of this bug. He shows up a lot. Not that I'm complaining. It's just interesting that... He has become one of the most reoccurring characters in this entire series.
0: Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I, I don't,
1: I don't, I don't hate it. It, it doesn't. I don't think the game is lesser because of it. It's just an interesting choice.
0: Yeah, I think there's something to the fact that his uh, character model is just so small that, of course, you can put it in more places.
1: I I was just about to say the exact same thing. It takes up less real estate, so it's just kind of easy to fit in if they need something.
0: I don't know who his voice actor is, but I I would not be surprised if it just happens to be one of Sam and Max uh, like one of their voice actors as well. It's also him doing the Bug. Um so they just always have access to the Bug's voice, something like that.
1: That that would make sense. Um speaking of voice actors, um one interesting one our our new best friend, Girl Stinky, is actually the voice of another Telltale character. Do you know which one?
0: Ooh. Have we covered it so far? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is it Elaine
1: from Monkey Wrong. Island? Wrong, and that was your only guess. Okay, uh, what is it? <laughs> Girl Stinky is the same voice as Clementine from The Walking Dead.
0: Oh, no way.
1: yeah it's crazy you wouldn't have been able to tell just by listening to her but like i specifically remember looking up who did clementine back when those games were coming out and being like oh no shit she's girl stinky from Sam salmon mix
0: yeah i uh i'll I'll tell you this i would never have guessed it
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad i only gave you the one guess then
0: yeah i was going through the ones like well, most of the ones that I just associate with Telltale voices that we would both know of, we've already covered because Strong Bad, I guess, feels very Telltale as well, but all of those voices are just the original Homestar cast, and yeah. I don't remember any characters from Wallace and Gromit, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just ad- I had to jump to Monkey Island, but uh, yeah, interesting. that She's got a very distinctive voice, so... If I wonder if now when we get to Walking Dead, um, if we listen to her voice, we'll hear it at all. I kind of doubt it. She, <laughs> no, she's really like, putting on airs here.
1: Yeah, she is not at all. She does not sound like Clementine when she's doing stinky, but it is interesting because I would like... When she's We doing all know stinky. that the Walking Dead... <laughs> hey. But uh, we all know that The Walking Dead went on to be a big uh, thing for Telltale, so it's interesting that um, probably the two games I most associate with Telltale, like probably their two biggest series I associate the name with, uh, she is a character in both. There is that connection there.
0: Nice. Um, You know why I think Stinky smells bad?
1: (laughs) Is it because of all the like fish on her?
0: So it. Yes and no, like so. Okay, the fish and the flies circling her. Ah, uh, they're <laughs> obviously, obviously she smells bad because of that, and also she gives you a sock later on in the episode, which is a hundred percent only smelly people behavior. Um, <laughs> but I think if she didn't do any of that stuff, she would still seem smelly to me, and I think the reason is, it's whenever cartoon characters are drawn with teal to green hair not it's not on their own it needs to be very long hair and it needs to be sort of clumped together like i could imagine that if i tried to separate her ponytail it would be like webbed or something (laughs) she's just got a bunch of stinky bit in her hair that's what her hair looks like to me and i think that's That's... a similar reason i feel (laughs) that way about palatina
1: That's gross.
0: Yeah, it is gross. Also, (laughs) another connection between Palutena and Stinky, they are both missing one sock.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I forgot about that.
0: That's a very specific connection.
1: Uh, You know what? Now that I think about it, I've never seen Palutena and uh, Stinky in the same place at the same time.
0: (laughs) That's so true. Uh, I bet. Yeah, they're probably the same. Uh, nothing says they're not so stinky now I feel like I'm just calling her the adjective stinky (laughs) so stinky over here so stinky in the corner is doing a trivia (laughs) thing Uh, I love bar trivia do you ever do bar trivia
1: no I'm not good at trivia I don't know a lot of things except for very specific things however my sister and her boyfriend do trivia
0: do they do they do uh like go bar to bar to do it
1: I think so i I mean I haven't asked them the details, but it sounds like they do it uh pretty regularly
0: uh yeah I love that stuff i've I've been doing it at this uh local pub here where I am once a week for the last like four weeks I've just been enjoying we... myself doing some questions it's a fun thing. that's
1: that's interesting you say that and it makes total sense because I feel like a lot of the time whenever we play Jackbox together, you are always the one who wants to do Trivia Murder Party.
0: That's true. I do like the trivia games a lot um, because I want to beat my friends rather than have a fun time with them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure no one else is having a good time and uh, then I yeah, can have if, a good time.
1: If that's the case, then I'm the perfect person to play against. <laughs>
0: yeah, we should do it more often. Um... <laughs> And I think Stinky feels the same way because she explicitly makes sure that she's not actually saying the right answer is the right answer. She's just saying whatever everyone else hasn't said is the correct answer in order to come out on top.
1: So did you figure out the puzzle for this? Because I did it, but I wasn't 100% sure how it worked, but I had a guess.
0: I did figure out the puzzle for this. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, explain to us what the puzzle is, and I'll tell you if it's what I thought, too. Because the f- I thought I had knew how to do it, and then the first way, it didn't do it. So, But then the second time, I got it. So,
0: so the three people that are playing trivia already are the Bug, Sybil, and Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln doesn't know anything. <laughs> he, he is the <laughs> dumbest guy apparently even though the first trivia question i got was about the war of 1812 lincoln should know about that that's pretty (laughs) recent for him
1: well it's (laughs) been a long time at least
0: has it or has he been suspended i thought he was like in a suspended state since yeah
1: but maybe his memory is a little foggy after being in a suspended state for so long
0: so the (laughs) the idea here is each of them you can figure out what they're going to say in advance. And then as long as you're the fourth person to submit your answer, if they've all covered the other answers, Stinky will tell each of them they're wrong because Stinky just doesn't want to say they're right. And if, <laughs> if you do the fourth remaining answer, um, you she'll have to say that you're right and she'll give you the horse, which is the prize. She says it's a family heirloom forever. So that that already feels weird with like where the horses are coming from.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's possible they were just already out there in the world it's yeah. it's possible that is a family heirloom but that just happens to be one of the four horsemen you need for this puzzle
0: yeah i don't know why they'd all be in this one city block <laughs> <laughs> but they are so yeah sure whatever the um The the way you get Sybil, you'll know what Sybil's gonna say because Sybil's actually correct. She knows all these answers. She knows all the questions. Um, Probably because she's worked in every field of employment that you can be in. So she just she's very knowledgeable. Yeah, she just has a very like wide swath of knowledge. So you can't change her answer. It's just whatever it's gonna be. Then you talk to the bug, and the bug always gets it wrong. But the bug has a very specific answer that the bug's excited to say. So you just need to feed... You need to tell the bug which one you're doing until you find out which one the bug is doing. So you need, Interesting. Like maybe the bug will know that they're going to pick D ahead of time, which is not the correct answer. But um, if you say, I think we're going to pick A... And the bug will be like, no, you gotta pick D! Pick D! And uh, from that, you'll know that the bug is going to pick D. And then, whichever... So now you know two answers that they're going to pick. So you give Abraham Lincoln, you tell him one of the remaining two answers. And then there's only one answer left that none of the three of them are going to say. And that has to be your answer.
1: Okay. Okay, yeah, because... Like I said, the first one, I did it wrong. I wasn't quite sure. I, I figured out that Abe will just say whatever you tell him. And then the other two I wasn't so sure on. The second time I did it, I just got lucky, I guess, because I only talked to the bug once. And he just happened to say the one I needed him to say. And then I I got the right answer. The quote-unquote right answer.
0: Yeah, the So that, that,
1: is, that is a much more clever puzzle than I thought at the time.
0: I like that the bug doesn't know anything and will get it wrong every time. <laughs> because even if you're guessing, you should get it wrong only 75% of the time with four answers.
1: But, boy, he is having an off night when it comes to trivia.
0: Yeah, like like every single question he thought the answer, or the question involved the word not when it didn't or something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So that's how you get that horseman. Um, Jimmy Two-Teeth has another horseman. <laughs> There's this robot doll you'll find at the North Pole, which is Boxing Betty. It's just a, like a baby doll who, who's, a, who's a boxing girl. Um, Jimmy Two-Teeth has taken up residence inside the Maintron 9000's broken carcass, where he set up a boxing ring. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you send in Boxing Betty, who works just like Punch Out controls. It's Punch Out. Even the song in the background is Jared Emerson Johnson totally doing a spoof of the Punch Out theme song.
1: That's awesome. How do you how do you feel about this whole boxing part of the game?
0: Uh, it's lame. <laughs> it, it's I, it's I like it is lame, but I it has the song and it's totally going for something. I like the fact that. The rats have taken up residence inside a giant broken robot. That's a cool set thing. But the actual boxing minigame is sort of lame.
1: Yeah, it's not hard at all. <laughs> it's, it's like way easier than even regular punch out. But um, I think the good parts about it elevate it for me. Because like, even if it's easy, uh, I was still like, yeah, we're boxing. This is different from the rest of the game.
0: <laughs> yeah i um uh, I'm, I'm not good with punch out i've never been good at punch out so i think that was just some of the frustration for me um even though this was oh like was it er- hard no it wasn't hard it was it, it was like the easiest version of punch out that you could have okay the um, way
1: you worded it i thought you were, i thought like the reason you didn't like it was because you were struggling no I, was I, like, I, oh. I wasn't
0: struggling <laughs> i i uh I think the very first time I, I actually lost because I just didn't understand like, oh, I if it's the left hand, I should move left rather than moving out of the way to the right. Um, but right. O- once that clicked, it was it was easy enough to do. I just, uh, I've just never like been good at punch out. I've never had the like reflex to uh, do it in time. I don't know. Something about that specific gameplay mechanic is, is a little harder for me than I feel it is for every other person. In the world, I feel you. Um, well,
1: yeah. Mitch, don't. I won't hold it against you at all. I don't think any less of you for not being good at punch out.
0: Hey, thanks, buddy. I, this is why we do the podcast, folks. <laughs> little little moments of humanity where what, when, we forget to be mad at was starting, each
1: other. <laughs> when Mitch was starting the podcast, he thought, "Who will? Who have, on this list of people will not judge me for being bad at punch out?" And he went through the <laughs> whole list until he got to me.
0: Yeah, every other person I considered for the podcast. Would have uh, <laughs> like I was gonna have little Mac on the podcast. <laughs> he was he, he couldn't would reach for sure the microphone. Judge me for being bad at Punch
1: Out. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been like, "Wow, really?"
0: Yeah, I was gonna have Palutena <laughs> on the podcast, but ew, stinky. <laughs> <laughs> she
1: she would have made you smell too. She would have been like, "You smell that?" Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> uh,
0: so you beat Jimmy Two Teeth, and you get the the horse. And the last horse is by our favorites, the Cops.
1: Our fa- I was so happy to see. I totally forgot that they have a role in season two.
0: Yeah, they're they're great. They're in a garage east of Stinky. So you actually go pretty far to the east, further than you've ever been before. Because it previously cut off on, on the east side of the street at Bosco's. But now Bosco's is pretty close to the leftmost side of the street. Uh, yeah
1: it goes from the office all the way down to the garage
0: and the cops are now in an effort to feel useful which is sad and charming uh (laughs) trying to run an auto shop an automobile repair shop and they want a decal because the decal they've got in stock is one of the horsemen of course it is of course they have one (laughs) um and so if you do them a favor and run over as many torture me elmer dolls as you can a clear pun on the tickle me elmo craze of the late 90s um they hate these dolls they 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 have a thing about how torture me elmer is selling out as a piece of antiquated (laughs) technology
1: i love that (laughs) yeah um, I think my favorite part about it is that Torture Me Elmer is not in a position Elmer would enjoy. Yeah. Like, like... <laughs> they're mad at him for selling out. If if Torture Me Elmer were a real person, he would not be enjoying this situation. He's being tortured.
0: Yeah, I would, I would argue it's not his choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they want you to run over as many of those with your car as possible, and if you do it a certain number within a certain amount of time... You get the the hood ornament, the the I think that one is the Horseman of Death, sudden death hood ornament, Uh, and then that's all for hood ornaments, or sorry, that's all for horses of the apocalypse. Now you can do that, but before we move on, um, you can do other things for the cops in that driving mini game that gets you decals on the car, and this was a big deal when the season first came out really <laughs> do you remember why
1: no i don't it's been so long Explain.
0: so the desoto can get stickers on it for doing certain things within the episode in this episode it's all about the driving mini game. um so you can get like uh bronze silver and gold version of the torture meomer dolls for like doing harder versions of that horseman thing but then also other things like Bowling uh, a strike because there's a bunch of bowling pins in the middle of the road for some reason and then shooting a piano down (laughs) that's a piano that's hanging on the side of the street. or shooting a blimp down out of the sky. They all give you certain decals for your for the car. And Mm -hmm. depending on what your save file for the for this episode reads like which decals you've got on your save file, they will still be there in the next episode. So, if you didn't get oh. all of them, you will not have all of them in the next episode. So, you, if you want to, like, 100% an episode of Sam & Max Season 2, you need to 100% the previous episode of Sam & Max Season 2.
1: Okay, that's... So, I've been playing this... I've been pay, playing the uh, 360 version on the Xbox One. And so, the only reason I went to get all the detail decals... Blah, is because there is an achievement for it. You get an achievement for getting oh, nice. every decal in the game. Um, I didn't choose to figure it out myself. I just kind of looked up how to get them because I didn't have all day. I needed to get this done. Uh, sure, sure. But I, you know, despite being such a simple game, I thought it was pretty fun. I think it's since you can make the DeSoto go so fast, you can speed up the car. You can speed up and slow down. But I didn't know this at first. I thought you could only go like super fast. And you can just plow through like everything. And get all these uh, Tickle or Torture Me Elmer dolls. Um, it's not hard. Like even on the hardest one. Where you have to get like 60 of them in 60 seconds. It's like so easy. I had like 20 seconds left. Yeah. yeah. By the time I did it. But I don't, it's just fun since you're going so fast.
0: Yeah. I remember at the time. The idea that if I didn't get all the decals in an episode, I wouldn't be able to 100% the season. Uh almost stressed me out. It was almost a stressor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> almost, <laughs> to... I like
0: Well, yeah, it, it didn't it didn't like ruin my mental state <laughs> around the game. At
1: the end of the day, they're just stickers. <laughs> they're just stickers on a car. But but still, you're kind of like, well, maybe I should just go ahead and get those stickers. Yeah, maybe I maybe I should just put them on the damn car. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Maybe maybe I should just go ahead and do all of them every time. (laughs) And uh, I I got myself in a a frenzy about it. And I remember on the forums, there were people feeling the same way. Um, Because like the first couple days the episodes would come out, there wasn't 100% knowledge that had spread out about like how to get all of the decals. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, People were just trying to figure out, like, okay, well, oh, the blimp! Oh, you gotta shoot the blimp! Uh, And then, if you do get all the decals, thankfully, the cops will tell you, Congratulations! You've gotten all of the decals this episode! And that's that's a nice thing to do. I hate it when games don't tell you you've done all the things.
1: Yeah, I was very relieved to hear that. Like... Even though since I just looked up how to do it, I knew that was the last one I needed, but I was still very relieved. I was like, "Oh, okay. This will just let me know." So I feel like next episode I won't I'll just actually try to get them since you'll you'll know when you have.
0: Right. Um thanks, cops. So if you bring the four horsemen of the apocalypse action figures, you set them up around the North Pole. Santa has a record player in the in the work workshop. So you can put the record on there and you fill in the parts of the song, the fearsome demon song that correspond to what you think the demon's all about, uh, which shouldn't be hard if you're looking around. You see a box full of gelatinous goo and you assume that's where it came from. And uh, <laughs> then the the demon comes out and you, you think that you're exercising Santa Claus. You're actually exercising just one of the elves. They had the demon in them the whole time. They were fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what a twist. Santa was actually trying to defend from the demon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like Sam and Max's reaction to this because they are surprised, but it's more like frustration. They're like, wait, eh, no, (laughs) that elf was fine. (laughs) That elf was not being mean. (laughs) Uh, This was
1: your standard garden variety elf.
0: This was a standard elf. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> so a normal elf, uh, but it wasn't, I guess. It was possessed the whole time. And you, you get the demon out of it, and then Santa uh, comes out and says, Wait, you did the exorcism, but you didn't have the spirits of Christmas, future, past, and present to take down the demon? And then you're like, "You well, you didn't know about any of that stuff because you didn't read the back of the instructions of the exorcism. Uh, classic Sam and Max move classic classic um so santa and the demon are fighting each other they chase each other outside if you look in santa's safe you'll find a bottle of christmas spirits if you uncork it the a uh, uh, past version a present version and a future version of santa claus will come out and uh they'll require that you do some puzzles for them in order to have their power on your side.
1: Right. Uh, I like this a lot. I really like that this is a big part of the story that they can easily turn into gameplay segment. This is the part I think of when I was talking earlier about how this episode seemed a lot more story focused. Yeah. Is this specific part.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it's this part that fans got excited about back in the day in terms of getting you excited for the rest of the season. As a first episode of the season, I think this is miles better than Culture Shock was last season. Because Agreed! Uh, Culture Shock didn't get you excited about the rest of the thing, which was maybe fine because you got the feeling that they were riding it by the seat of their pants.
1: Yeah, it it, it worked totally fine as like the very first one they did. It was great. And, you know, even in our uh, episode rankings, we still put it up above the other two in the first half. Yeah. So I, w- I would still consider Culture Shock a good start, but this is definitely a better start for a season.
0: Yeah, the, the first one I did was Christmas Future. Um, I did too. Yeah, huh. I, I think there, there's two ways you can leave the workshop. You can either go back up the chimney. And then outside, and if you do that, the first one you're next to is Christmas Future, and that's what I did. But if you leave the, through the front door, the first one you're next to is Christmas Past. So I think you're actually supposed to do that because you're probably supposed to go past present future. Um, but I did yes, future first.
1: I did I did future first as well, just because I went from left to right.
0: Oh yeah that that makes sense too.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: If you go to the, the future when you're spat out in some hell mouth where y- you, Sam and Max from the future, are just stuck in the bottom of what looks like a volcano or, or portal to hell or something like that, uh, just full of lava and magma and brimstone. And um, Sam and Max had just run out of snacks. So now they're starting to panic. Um, <laughs> and your job is to get them out of there. Uh, if you power up the Santa's sleigh from, from, uh, just outside the portal to the future, you can send the sleigh in there for future Sam and Max and save them that way. Uh, and that's, that's the future puzzle. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I think it's funny. I think it's funny watching Sam and Max, uh, watch themselves. Although there isn't that much to say since the only area they're in is uh, just the one uh, hellscape yeah, area, the one platform in the lava. So there really isn't that much to say about it, at least not right now. It'll definitely be more interesting later on. But uh, for right now, there just isn't that much to say about it.
0: Yeah, the question is, why are Salmon Max at the bottom of a volcano or in hell or wherever they are? Like, why would they be there? And... Um... I hope it's not too much of a spoiler to say. We will find out by the end of the season. Uh, But that was the assumption as well. Uh, When the game came out, I remember that, like, people trying to figure out why they would be at the bottom of a volcano. Um, Yeah, right. And it would happen by the end of the season. The thing is with Sam and Max, though, they reference so many adventures that are completely off screen. (laughs) That, like... There's no reason to assume we would definitely see why they're at the bottom of a volcano.
1: Yeah, it, it's likely, but it's not a guarantee.
0: Yeah, and I think that makes it more interesting. Um, but it did end up happening, which was nice. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in... What do you say we talk about that in four episodes?
1: <laughs> I'll hold you to it, Mitch. Uh,
0: the Christmas present was something you did earlier this episode. Where, uh, the when you got the horsemen of pestilence from Stinky, so you don't think anything happened, but some roaches came into the diner and they were the bug's family members and you had to get them to leave.
1: <laughs> he does not like his family. Yeah, um, I don't, how do you get them to leave? So, what you need to do, um, I think the thing is the bugs mentioned being like, uh, scared of cleaning products or whatever, like the smell, they, they can smell things. Like if you pull out your gun, so no one can see your and Max's spirits when they go to different time periods, but I guess they can smell it. So like when Sam pulls his gun out, the bugs are like, Oh, uh, we smelled gunpowder. Ah, reminds me of the war or whatever. But um, right outside the portal to the present is uh, a machine that purifies yellow snow.
0: This is a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dumb concept. So they bleach the yellow snow. So y- I guess technically there's no chemical trace of urine anymore. But now there's bleach in it. <laughs> so where's where's the debleachinator machine that turns it back into <laughs> something
1: else? <laughs> Ah, whatever. Yeah. uh, It's fine.
0: But the bug, like, the bug is having some PTSD where they will just regurgitate some of the recordings they've heard when they smell something that associates the memory with it for them. So you put the bleach snowball next to the bug and they will smell the cleaning products and then they'll say some weird stuff that gets their family to leave. Uh, and it's great. And that's that's how you solve family problems.
1: Yeah, I like that uh, Sam thinks you're supposed to make the bug realize he loves his family and that family is important, but then Santa's like, no, these guys suck. Get rid of them.
0: Yeah, Santa was very for real about that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then you go back to the North Pole and the Christmas pr- uh, past was from last season. Something that was not advertised as being during Christmas when we did it last season.
1: Yeah, I love that it has nothing to do with Christmas, but uh, (laughs) here we are.
0: Yeah. um, It's when you're interrogating uh, Leonard Steakchart. Well,
1: wait, when did that episode come out? When did episode three of season one come out?
0: Let's find out. We can... Maybe it was around Christmas. Three, Sam... And max um the mole the mob and the meatball um it came out january twenty fifth of two thousand and seven on
1: tap okay, so they had missed Christmas by then anyway.
0: exactly one month after Christmas,
1: okay, but it w- it
0: was probably um, the closest episode to Christmas out of all the season one episodes.
1: Yeah, it was probably written around Christmas. Yeah. So I'll count it. Sure. All right. Yeah, that's Christmas.
0: (laughs) When you're finding the meatball subs for the mob, now you need to know that that was Christmas.
1: (laughs) It brought everyone together. God bless us, everyone.
0: So uh, just after the whole thing with Leonard Steak Charmer, it turns out that you taking the boxing glove from the office at that point um, prohibited Jimmy Two Teeth from his only legitimate business venture he had, which was trying to become a professional boxer. Um, what do you? Th- I've got thoughts
1: on this. What do you think about this? I also have thoughts on this, and I believe we're going to have similar thoughts. Um, so you meet Jimmy's family here for the first time. Uh, his lovely wife. And uh, his his little son, uh, little Timmy Two Teeth. And uh, the thing about little Timmy Two Teeth is, uh, he uh, has Tourette's. That's his thing. Yeah. Uh, I. Mm. <laughs> so I I am of two sides about this. So when the scene started and they were like, "Oh, little Timmy, he has uh." he has Tourette's. Isn't it funny how he's swearing and, he, and it's bleeped out and it's like, huh? Yeah, that's great. It's not really great. It's kind of, uh, an odd joke to make, but I think the thing that turned it around for me is the fact that it's treated as a tur, it's treated like tiny Tim in a uh, Christmas Carol. That's why he's called tiny Timmy. And uh, the fact that they treat his Tourette's like a Tiny Tim scenario, that made it funnier than the joke is just that he has Tourette's and swears a lot.
0: Yeah, so they say they're going to operate on his Tourette's. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I should put just my lack of knowledge on the table. I know some brain stuff. I don't know this brain stuff. I don't know what you would do. I don't know what the operation would be. I don't know if you can do an operation on Tourette's other than yeah, just, see, like, calming some symptoms down.
1: Yeah, see, the thing I took out of it, I just took it out, took it as, like, a gag. Like, they would perform an operation on someone who's actually sick. Yeah, um,
0: but, I mean, he ra- instead, Rather
1: than, like, an, it's just... Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, I when I said I had thoughts, this is actually not the thing, but this is very interesting, too. Uh, yeah, like the 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 joke of him swearing a lot because of Tourette's just doesn't land for me. <laughs> That's not not really. That is not. It's, funny. it's not.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of like well, mm, not really something you would joke about in modern times. But I think the way they do a joke on top of that lands for me rather than the Tourette's being the joke itself.
0: Well, I can't find out. I I can't I can't determine if they're actually joking about the uh, the prospect of op- operating on Tourette's or if they think that is possibly a thing you can do it feels so not it feels so underinformed that I don't know where their intentions lie on that
1: yeah see that that's just how it reads to me I I could be totally wrong it's interesting that this happened this has happened a few times in Sam and Max uh to me, it just reads is in like, uh, Tourette's is not a big deal, but we're going to treat it like it's this big uh, Christmas Carol-esque thing.
0: Yeah, Tourette's is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess it doesn't, I, I, I'll just say it doesn't work. I'll just, I just don't yeah. think the joke works. Um, But what I actually was thinking of was the fact that they were trying to spin this little tableau. Uh, they have Jimmy talking with his wife and jimmy says i keep trying to do these legitimate business ventures but sam and max always shut me down and (laughs) i think you the audience are trying to are supposed to feel like oh have we been doing that the whole time but also no you haven't (laughs) been doing legitimate business ventures the whole time we haven't been shutting you down (laughs) like you you have not been legit you you have not been a legitimate character you're totally
1: full of shit right now yeah and he's been a jerk to us like every single time
0: yeah the season one starts with him stealing his phone for no reason
1: yeah there's (laughs) there's no no benefit to that for his family
0: Yeah, you give him the cheese and like he could have had the cheese already. It's in the closet, but he only wanted Swiss cheese. So like it's not even a legitimate business venture thing. It's just (laughs) you're just saying stuff, Jimmy. You're not you're not being legit. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh,
1: I like that all three of the uh, two teeth family members just are all like the same voice. Just like slightly changed.
0: (laughs) That is good. Um, so what you can do is take his wife, Mary, from this, like, dream dimension of the past, bring it to current Jimmy Two Teeth, who's about to kill himself, um, and then sort of trade his wife for the boxing glove he has, then give the boxing glove to past Jimmy Two Teeth so he can be trained to become a boxer. Uh, this is
1: all total. My mind is going in circles just from you saying that.
0: Yeah, it didn't. It does. I think it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I think it. Makes I, I it, it doesn't sense make sense, but it's.
1: It it doesn't make sense, but it definitely it makes sense in a on purpose funny way rather than just a plot thing they did that tried to make sense and didn't. Yeah. The joke is that it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. So, I, I love that uh, you take Jimmy's wife with uh, the world's simplest maze.
0: Yeah. you you Another toy that you get from Santa's workshop is the world's simplest maze. You just put that on the outside of their uh, rat hole. And when they come out, the wife just like walks in a little circle and then she has no idea how to get out.
1: <laughs> she hits the one wall and she's like, oh, shit, I'm stuck.
0: Yeah, I've tried nothing and I'm all out of ideas. <laughs> Um, And that's how you get her. So then you go back to the present, having solved that scenario, and you have the power of all three Christmas spirits on your person. You use that against the demon, and the demon turns into a bowl full of jelly, or, like, jello. And uh, everything seems fine. Sam Sam and Max go home. Santa says, Oh, thank you, Sam and Max. You've done a great job here this year. Uh, You think that, (laughs) for some reason, Sam and Max are... about to be considered nice by santa claus which does not feel right (laughs) but um it it seems to be working out but then santa with the (laughs) with the object permanence of a one-year-old uh just immediately (laughs) eats the (laughs) jello what have we here yeah what have we here jello huh and he so he eats the the demon and it's all inside of him. I have a note here that uh, Santa instantly ate so much of the jello.
1: Yeah, he just eats all of it all in one go.
0: Yeah, it, like they the Sam and Max turn around and the whole thing is gone. It was a huge bowl of jello, <laughs> and it was just <laughs> instantly all eaten. Um, and then so that's it, Santa for you. They go back in the workshop. And there's a Rube Rube Goldberg machine involving a uh, cannon and like a toy plane. It's a whole thing. You you just do a bunch of stuff to shoot something at Santa Claus. And then you shoot him into a box. And then the soda poppers come in and say, well, there is an error on the shipping label. It said, to Santa... It should have said, to Satan. That's who you give demons. And everyone was like, oh!
1: <laughs> what a silly mix-up.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then that's that's the end of the episode.
1: Uh, how do you feel about this final showdown with Santa Claus? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I was just thinking just now how much easier it was than the puzzle in the first episode, which also isn't like that hard but it takes some thinking this one i feel like i got like almost right away
0: yeah i thought that this episode it could have it could have ended on the using the spirits against the demon
1: right i i felt exactly the same way
0: i guess you need that little extra because that would have ended with santa in a good place and unfortunately (laughs) unfortunately we are now sending santa claus to satan (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah so
0: that's something we've got to think about in the future um and then sam and max because santa claus is in the box sam and max have to deliver all the presents and they're like what, how are we going to do this all in one night and max goes dude chill out it's november
1: <laughs> yeah it, it it's like they set it up like a big christmas bre- special i'll wrap the gifts I'll do the labels, but who can deliver all these toys in one night? And, and they look at Sam and Max and, and then they just leave without the toys.
0: <laughs> yeah. They get excited <laughs> to do it. And then they leave without any of the tools needed to do it,
1: <laughs> but it's okay. Cause it's only November. <laughs> yeah. I, that, I, I think great. even if that show, I feel like even if that showdown, isn't like the best puzzle to, And on i feel like it ends on a very good joke so so there's
0: i I won't say it explicitly because there there might be some people that are playing along with us but they hint at what the twist later in the season is going to be with that box and um, i think it's i think it's too much of a hint i think it straight up gives it away
1: I, I kind of agree. They don't really tell you that this is what's going to happen later, though. It doesn't tell you like, oh, you're going to be seeing Satan later. I, th- I think it's possible that someone could uh, see this scene and just be like, oh, what a funny joke. I get it because Santa and Satan sound similar.
0: Well, it's not the fact that they're sending it to Satan. It's that the original label said to Santa from lower Manitoba. So oh. so that's what sent San- Santa the uh the the demon originally it was from lower manitoba which uh if you look at a map you'll see that manitoba is a canadian province just north of something in america and once you know what that is it makes the mystery of who sent Santa a demon real simple (laughs) it it, oh it just makes it completely obvious
1: don't look it up listeners
0: yeah don't look it up if you don't want to but if you happen to like know it if you just know where manitoba is then that will just become you'll just know it
1: (laughs) yeah these guys get it
0: yeah, I, I feel like Telltale thought they were being seven degrees sneakier than they were being.
1: <laughs> it, it's yeah.
0: too it's too uh literal.
1: Yeah, I mean these are the people who also uh used Roy G. Biv as the code name for their villain for the first season. So <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, who is this color based gentleman? <laughs> um the the soda poppers uh i i don't like them. <laughs> I, I i think we're still we haven't crossed the threshold of like to not like or, or just i just don't like them we haven't crossed that line yet but i feel myself approaching it with the soda poppers they're becoming more annoying every episode <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's why i love the soda poppers sometimes you have those characters i think i even talked about this in the first episode how certain characters are just there for you to hate yeah and i love i love that i hate the soda poppers
0: um well speaking of things that we hate why don't we talk about things that we like in this week's
1: segments wow should i have segment have music three... uh segment music uh it's a segment. It's a segment. Time, is that good? Yeah. No. Cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah. I don't know. I'll I'll use it. Let's see what happens. <laughs>
1: we'll workshop it.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So segment number one is we're bringing it back, friends. Linguistic gymnastics. Woo! That's our um, wonderfully named segment, in which we talk about our favorite lines, dialogue lines from this episode. Dustin, what you got? You told me that you have a bunch.
1: I do have a bunch. I'm going to narrow it down to just a few. Okay. Um. So my first one, this is the line of the episode that stuck with me more than any other line. Like, this was the line in the episode I remembered to this day before replaying it. Um. So it's when you're singing the Friendly Demon song. And you know how there's, like, uh, parts where you interject and. So The Friendly Demon Song is a parody of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And there's parts where you interject like, uh, like a light bulb. And, uh, that's where you interject the details, uh, like, hey, shambling corporate presence. Uh, but one of my favorites is, uh, it says he was the most unholy creature that was ever born. And then it gives you, like, different locations to pick from. Uh, But for one of them, Sam says, at the corner of Bellum and Anderson, near that one taqueria that I think uses way too much cilantro. Though Max disagrees. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's the line that stuck with me ever since I first played it. I was like, that's funny.
0: (laughs) That is good. Uh, I think 2007 (laughs) was the height of cilantro jokes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's true i can't think of a more cilantro-esque year
0: yeah i i think w- it's always under the under the surface of the comedy ocean talking about cilantro and how some people just think it tastes like soap it's there it's there we know it <laughs> um but i remember it coming up more
1: <laughs> as as a thing to
0: make fun of as a food to make fun of
1: yeah um, but but okay, so my next line. Oh man, I'm I'm struggling to narrow it down. But so my next one is when you get the uh, the horseman of the of pestilence from Stinky's uh, diner, and Sam says, "Ah, see how he slumps in his saddle." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And. My next one is when you're doing the, uh, the spirits of Christmas and you're looking at the gate of, uh, Christmas future. And Sam says, I'm guessing this leads to some dystopian future Christmas. And Max says, you say that about everything. Sam says, but this time I'm right. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Uh, okay. Okay. I'll keep it down to those three. Why don't you hit me with yours?
0: Um, I liked What's the Rush? It's the middle of November from Max at the very end of the episode. Um, (laughs) just the reveal that it hasn't been Christmas the whole time. (laughs) That's true. Um, okay. So at, at one point, if you use just the gun on the Shambling Corporate Presence, you can shoot it, but it doesn't do anything. And Sam says that it goes through him like a bowl full of jelly, like his big belly, like a bowl full of jelly. Um... Wait, no, 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 no. Sorry, I messed it up. Sam says, it just goes through his big belly. And Max says, like a latex glove full of jelly. And then Sam just (laughs) looks at him and says, bull, idiot. (laughs) Like, why would you say latex glove? Uh, I like that. I think I don't know why that joke's in there. It doesn't, it's not actually good. It just... (laughs) It's just ooh, the it's fact fun. that it, it's just... one of those lines that makes you realize like, oh, these people, these two people really are really good friends with each other.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: Okay, there's a trampoline in the workshop and uh, uh, Max says, ooh, can I jump on the trampoline? And Sam says, we have better things to do than to jump around on a trampoline. And Max says, do we really? And then Max, uh, <laughs> Sam says uh no and then <laughs> max jumps up and down like four times and then he gets off and then max says yeah we have better things to do than to jump around on a trampoline <laughs> uh which is my reaction every time there's a trampoline i'll think it's like oh, yeah i want to go on a trampoline for like four jumps and then i'm like ah oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right just a trampoline on. huh <laughs> <laughs> um
1: and uh let's see do i have anything else I ha- I have two more if if you don't say them. I I just th- I wanted to hold back because I didn't want to take any lines you would say, but I have two more I really want to say, but I'm gonna wait and see.
0: Um, so when y- you can throw the snowball at Wizard, and <laughs> uh, Sam says, "Hey Wizard, please forgive us for what we're about to do," and then Wizard goes, "Ah crap, you guys are gonna kill me, aren't you?" Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that. I thought that was funny.
1: Poor Wiz. It's always Wizzer who gets the brunt of it. Yeah. He's he's definitely the uh, the punching bag of the soda poppers.
0: Yeah, he deserves it. They all deserve it.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> they, true. They just
0: kind of suck. Um, but yeah, what what are you... You I'll... Um, I'm listening to the judges right now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so they say you got
1: two more lines. I got two more. Thank you, judges. Uh, so this one actually involves the soda poppers. Uh, it's when you first meet them, and they're telling you how uh, Santa gave them bad gifts. Uh, I don't remember Wizard or Specs gifts, but uh, Sam asks uh, Peepers, what did you get? And Peepers goes, tuberculosis! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then the <laughs> poor peepers like i was just saying that wizard got what was coming to him but uh peepers got tuberculosis that's not a good christmas gift
0: no it's it's down there on my list
1: (laughs) and and then my next one is um so you're talking to bosco and um you sam's wondering why is he not wearing a disguise this time uh he's like Bosco, you're always wearing disguises. What? Why aren't you this time? And Bosco says, uh, Sam, 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 you poor naive fool. Don't you realize the time for disguises has passed? And then Max says, Yeah, you poor naive fool. Don't you realize that? <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, those are, those are my linguistic gymnastics for this week.
0: Uh, I'm glad you picked up on those, because uh, I just... I don't know. When, when the whole episode has good writing i sort of become blind to specific good lines a little bit and this episode can, does have that. consistently pretty good li- uh, writing
1: yeah we were we were talking about it before the show you were saying you didn't have that many i had a bunch like even just those five that i said i i left out like three or four other ones i ri- had written down that i thought were really funny
0: yeah i so it's not that i didn't consistently find funny things in the episode it's just that i didn't think of them as standouts because i think the whole thing was just such a high quality of writing probably the highest quality writing in a single episode thus far that we've covered I on agree. the podcast
1: i i totally agree i feel like it's a very strong uh season opener
0: uh so let's head into our second segment potent pickups I'll tell you mine first, Dustin. My favorite okay. inventory item from this episode of Salmon Max was the world's easiest maze.
1: <laughs> it's so such a good joke.
0: Yeah, I just i it's just a it's a one joke thing. Usually, I try to find items that are mechanically interesting, and this is not that. This is just like a <laughs> lock and key puzzle. It's just you use it once and then you lose it. Um, but just watching <laughs> Mary Two Teeth. Just walk out of the hole and into the maze and just into a wall is so funny.
1: <laughs> and that's it. She calls it after the one turn.
0: Yeah, she she won't even retrace her steps. It's just she's totally messed up. Um, so, so what would you say is your favorite potent pickup from this episode? So
1: my potent pickup this week is the Boxing Betty doll. Because oh, sure, yeah. A, you get to do the punch out thing, which isn't like the best, but I think the concept of it is very fun. And it's also just a hideous design. It's horrible to look at. It's got like knocked out teeth. It has a glass. Half the hair is ripped out. It's very interesting. But also, I like that it has its own animations during the boxing part. Like it has its victory cheers and everything. So I think of the toys, it was probably the most uh, memorable one.
0: Yeah, I I would say so as well uh and let's head into our last segment we're bringing it back from the bone episodes because we think we can probably just do this every week the weekly guy
1: the weekly guy
0: yeah we had a um we had a lot of names for this segment and none of them stuck except the weekly guy in my head so
1: <laughs> oops it's just cuz it's easy yeah yeah sorry
0: <laughs>
1: um Which one is yours? So, I feel a little shitty about mine this week, because even though I love the character I'm going to pick, they're not tied to this episode in particular. Like, I thought maybe it could have been Santa... But I'm going to go with the cops this week, just because I was so happy to see them. I was so happy to see the cops. I liked their their car game, and they give you decals just out of the kindness of their own heart. They give you these decals and let you play this game. They You don't have to do anything for them. I mean, you have to beat their challenges to get the decals, but still. Um, and I was just so happy to see... I totally forgot that they were even in this episode, So it's, it's not a great answer since it's not tied specifically to this episode, but I, I was the happiest to see the cops show up.
0: No, I I think that's, I think that's a fine answer. I don't think it needs to be tied specifically to this episode if they had a good showing. Um, Yeah.
1: I I mean, there's, there's lots of characters in this episode you could pick from like Santa stinky, but I, I feel like none of them brought me the same joy as seeing the cops. So this
0: week I have a runner up. My runner-up is oh, the nice. elf that you convince does not exist. <laughs> uh, I like them a lot That's because so not only is it the convincing them they don't exist, they have a whole other thing that they go through. Uh, where at the beginning of their conversation uh, with that elf, you say, "So where are you from?" And the elf says, "I just got off the factory." Um, and then Sam and Max goes, "They go, they make elves at factories." And the elf goes, "No, no, 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 no." I was just working on the factory. I was transferred here. And then Sam and Max say, oh, okay. What do you make? And he said, oh, the factory makes elves. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I should have written that down for linguistic gymnastics, but I didn't have all of the different lines. It went by too fast. So that elf is a good character. Almost my weekly guy. But my weekly guy is Girl Stinky.
1: Intra, despite the fact that you think she smells so bad, well, you put well, her yeah. as the weekly kit guy.
0: Well, I, I think you're oh, allowed th- to smell bad. shit.
1: You, you know what? I, ha- I have a runner-up, too. Oh, okay. I'll say okay, after, go for it. after years. No, after years. Go ahead and talk about Girl Stinky. I
0: just I thought she, she made a strong in, uh, first impression in the same way that Bosco and Sybil did last season as a mainstay on the street um you you could totally imagine her doing some bullshit later on in the season and i love the way that she uh like her (laughs) her method of trying to seem smarter than everyone else in the bar is so silly and stupid that i i just like it a lot
1: (laughs) just saying that everyone else is wrong
0: yeah (laughs) like oh that answer Mm -mm. actually no and i don't fault you for that i don't fault you for that
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm, sorry
0: Uh, Yeah, I I thought she made a strong first impression.
1: Yeah, one thing I like about uh, Stinky is... um, Unlike Sybil and Bosco, she is not your friend. (laughs) She is mean and bad. (laughs) Sybil and Bosco, I think, are usually... You know, they're even... If they're not, like, happy to see Sam and Max. Well, I'd say Sybil is always happy to see Sam and Max. Bosco is usually more on the fence, but he's still, you know, he helps you out.
0: I think the fact that Bosco even talks to you is a really high bar of praise. That's
1: that's true. He does not talk to a lot of people. The fact that you at least have some sort of trust from him. Uh, But it's nice that of these characters you can see every week, you have one that's more adversarial. Sure, yeah. Uh, I like that they're not necessarily all on Sam and Max's side. So who's your runner-up? My runner-up, I totally forgot because we never mentioned him once in this whole episode, but then I looked back at the beginning of my notes. Flint Paper, we meet. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, Flint Paper.
1: Yeah, so Flint Paper is uh, the private eye next door to Sam and Max. Um, If I remember right... they allude to him in Hit the Road. So um he's a character from Salmon Max, the series. Probably the only other character besides Salmon if I remember right, I could be totally wrong and they made up Flint Paper. But if I remember right, Flint Paper was a character from like the comics and Hit the Road. Yeah. I don't think you see him in Hit the Road, but You see it's cool that you see you him throw have...
0: someone through his office door in Hit the Road.
1: Yeah. That's right. So it's cool that you see someone from the broader Sam and Max series make their debut in the games. This is kind of the first character besides Sam and Max themselves to do that.
0: Yeah, I liked seeing Flint paper, but I also just thought that at this point.
1: He's not important. He's he's he doesn't do anything
0: in the episode.
1: Yeah, you just talk to him. But Honestly, he probably wouldn't even be my runner-up, but I made him my runner-up just so we could talk about him.
0: Yeah, every time you're talking to him, the whole length of the episode, you can go back in your office and talk to him through a hole in your wall, and he's just beating up the same one guy.
1: <laughs> I kind of like that, though. I like that there's this guy you can talk to who's not necessarily part of the story, but he is part of Sam and Max's lives. And and it, and it it turns out the reason you didn't see him in all of season one was because... He just happened to be on adventures that were like the exact parallel to the ones you did. Uh,
0: So I think that's going to be the
1: show. I thought this was a pretty good show. We went on for a long time. This was a long episode.
0: Yeah, I don't want to toot our own horn so much, but I think we really gave Mm -hmm. you something, listener. (laughs) I think we (laughs) gave you a part of our hearts. Um, Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry
1: Christmas. That. We're gonna need that part of our hearts back after though. Happy Hanukkah!
0: Happy Kwanzaa! Yeah.
1: All of them. All of the holidays. You know, have a happy Halloween. St. Patrick's Day. It. Yeah, let's just knock all of them out right now. Okay. So there's just Easter, happy all of
0: them. Uh Labor Day. Uh
1: Grandfather's
0: Day. Sure. Uh you can get Passover.
1: Um there's uh your niece's quesanera?
0: Sure. Um yeah, you can have like a just like a quiet day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> April Fools there is.
0: Yeah, there's that. There's uh there's there's Arbor. Arbor Day. <laughs> this is funny. Yeah. This is a funny part of the podcast. How many
1: <laughs> I have a whole uh three page list of holidays we can go through. Yeah. Let's not. Uh Okay. Where can people find you, Dustin? <laughs> They can find me at the same place they've always been able to find me on Twitter and Instagram at amazing DJ Dustin. But where can they find you, Mitch?
0: Well, they can find me on Twitter at the Wolf FM. That's at symbol T H E W O L F E F M. And until next time, where we'll be playing episode two of Salmon Max Beyond Time and Space. We'll see you around.
1: And God bless us, everyone. Because it's like, uh, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Good.